From the headquarters of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette in downtown Little Rock, this is Capital and Scott. I'm Laura Farrar. Rural hospitals across the state are waiting for legislative approval of some $60 million to help ease ongoing financial strains caused by the pandemic. Many already were struggling before COVID-19, and some are now so cash-strapped that without extra support, they could close within weeks. Bo Ryle, who is the president and CEO of the Arkansas Hospital Association, joins me today to talk about the ongoing strains these hospitals face as they try to keep their doors open to serve rural communities. All right, well, thank you so much for joining me today, Bo. There's been some news out that there's going to be maybe $60 million in federal funding that's going to be distributed to rural hospitals in the state. Can you talk a little bit about this funding? Has it been in the works for a while for this to come through to help rural hospitals in Arkansas? Well, we've been hearing from, from hospitals across the state about financial difficulties here since since January. So we've been monitoring the situation. We've taken a survey of our hospitals through quarter one, their financials in the first quarter of this year, and uh, it was really going in a downward trajectory. So we expected something to happen as far as hospitals being in immediate jeopardy of, of closing. So we had been visiting with the Department of Human Services, the governor's office, about ways to assist those hospitals. So we wanted to try to help every hospital, but the amount of funding was not available. So now this $60 million, which is still going through the approval process, is for those hospitals that are in immediate jeopardy of closing in the next 60 to 90 days. So they'll have to submit financial documents to show that uh, their operating margins have been well below what they what they anticipated for the year and their cash their days cash on hand is is not very much so we really in the end we wanted to target those hospitals that were really uh, in immediate jeopardy of closing so we think there's probably uh, 10 to 12 that could immediately qualify for this so it's going to be very uh, very accepting for these hospitals i think they need it and uh, it's really the hospitals that we're hearing from the most are not the smallest hospitals, which are critical access hospitals. So those are smaller hospitals that receive some, uh, maybe the federal money that they got during the pandemic is lasting longer. But the hospitals we're hearing from the most are those kind of mid size hospitals that are not critical access hospitals. They're small, they're independent. They're not associated with a system uh, of hospitals in any way. They're not owned, they're not for-profit. So these hospitals are out there on their own, kind of in an island in a county that's probably smaller in scale, but they really need these funds to survive at this point. And the $60 million, I mean, it, it is there, like in the bank somewhere. So it's in the next couple of weeks. This, will, this could be distributed. Uh, you said there was some type of uh, legislative approval that needs to happen, or what are the next steps for the money? Right. So this money is from the American Rescue Plan Act that Congress passed a little over a year ago. So each state got an allocation of funds that they could use uh, to help with the COVID pandemic. So the uh, plan steering committee here on the state level approved these fund, the funds, $60 million, and then the next step is it'll have to have legislative approval. So there's an oversight committee called PEER that will meet, uh, I think, 
next week, and then the Legislative Council will meet the following week, and uh, hopefully all the approval will be made then, and, and the funds can be ready for distribution. I have covered a little bit of rural health care throughout the pandemic, and do understand that access to health care in rural parts of the state is in dire straits, so to speak. And then in particular, rural hospitals have sort of long been in trouble in Arkansas and and elsewhere around the country. I mean, what is sort of the macro picture here in terms of these rural hospitals? You mentioned these critical access sort of points of care. What, What type of facilities are we talking about and what's been going on with them? So the critical access hospitals have uh, 25 beds or less, and they can only keep a patient for three days. So they're they're more the smallest of the small. I can name a few like uh, Chico County Hospital or Bradley County Hospital in in Warren. So those are hospitals that are really small, and they're they're made to to have someone come in and maybe have outpatient procedures or assess what's going on with someone and transfer them to a larger hospital. Those hospitals are desperately needed in those communities, mainly for the emergency department usage and having physicians there there available in the community. There's 28 of those in the state. And then we go to hospitals that are, that are a little bit larger that could have 50 to 100 beds. And those are in communities that can handle more of the patient load. They have more services there. They do have, they can keep the inpatients longer, the outpatient services. Those hospitals seemingly in this time period are in bigger jeopardy because of the expense load that they're they're having to handle. So we can definitely talk more about how, how COVID has affected uh, hospital expenses. Yeah, I mean, what has happened during COVID with just these hospitals trying to survive financially? Were they in trouble before COVID and then how has it made it worse for them? I would say before COVID, uh, probably... I would say a third were operating at a very thin margin or below below margin in the red. But now since January, it seems to be that tipping point, that last surge. So hospitals had ramped up over the over the year for these COVID surges. So they when a surge was coming, they would hire additional staff, they would hire travel nurses to staff those beds. The travel nurse industry and the paying of nurses to retain them had really gotten very expensive. So that hit home uh, about January and February, and then inflation started to even push that even more. So pharmaceutical cost had risen 36%. Supplies had risen 20%. And then you talk about the, the labor increases at that time, another 20%. Expenses are going up, but what makes hospitals different than other businesses is they can't just readily pass along those those cost increases to the consumer. So hospitals are paid by Medicare, a federal government payer, Medicaid, which is a state-federal partnership, but the rates are determined on the state level by government, and then also commercial insurance, which are negotiated contracts that are done years in advance. So with expenses going up, revenue maintaining the same, hospitals found themselves operating at a deficit that just they could not overcome over the last few months. And now we're to this point where it's not just a state problem, it's it's a nationwide problem that we're hearing hearing about as far as expenses exceeding revenues and the way the healthcare system is built. You can't turn that that around very quickly. Yeah, I was going to mention, I mean, the, the travel nursing industry, obviously the the expenses of hiring sort of temporary workers has gone up during the pandemic astronomically. I don't know if that's leveling out at all, but uh, just in terms of staffing, I mean, is it difficult to find 
physicians who want to work in these hospitals and to retain them? What do you do about sort of more specialty type physicians or clinics or whatever might be offered in these hospitals? I mean, how can they or how do they compete with more of an urban area like Little Rock or the Fayetteville area or maybe even Jonesboro, for example, just in terms of what they can can offer and how they can, can earn money? So for physicians recruiting to a small community is obviously, for the reasons you mentioned, very difficult. Typically, uh, hospitals will recruit and they'll have one come in and work in a residency status or a lot of them try to uh, work with them while they're in college and trying to get into med school and, and provide them with loans and incentives that would bring them back to the community. So kind of a, a grow your own, I guess you would say, bringing physicians back to your community. But then there's also physicians that do enjoy working in a rural hospital. They may like the outdoor life. They may have grew up in somewhere similar. So uh, there are ways for to attract them to a smaller community, but it's very difficult and it's always a challenge for those communities to, to find the right physician fit and certainly the specialty uh, physicians that are needed in those areas. So that's very difficult. As far as emergency department coverage, uh, some of those contract on the weekends to have a physician come in and cover the emergency department. And those those are expensive, but uh, they're needed in those communities because the physicians that just, there's so few physicians in some of these communities, the coverage would just wear those physicians out. So as far as nurses, the travel nurse industry, uh, as we got into the pandemic, it became more of competition for nurses was competition with each other in the hospital. So uh, every hospital is trying to recruit a certain nurse and or, or nurses and trying to give them uh, more money and be competitive. But then also the travel nurse industry became more of a, a nationwide thing where, hey, I could get paid this amount of money and go work in Texas and then take off three months. So before the travel nurse industry was seemingly very limited. There were not very many people who chose to go that route. But as the pay increased and the benefits of being off for months at a time increased, more people chose the travel nurse industry, which made it very difficult for hospitals to compete on that level of pay scale. So then those travel nurses went out of state. We're more of an exporter of of nurses out of state. So then hospitals in the state started to have to contract with the travel nurse industry to, to have coverage just to keep open and, and provide the coverage needed in those communities. So it just drove the price up to prices that we haven't seen. And, and who knows if we'll ever see those again. Sure. But hospitals to, to keep uh, the services there for COVID patients and non-COVID patients, they had to compete in those areas, which drove the, drove the price up. And we don't know that it'll go back down. I mean, it's at a level, it's at a level spot right now. Uh, hospitals have tried to, I guess, wean themselves of travel nurses as we've gotten away from the COVID surges that we've seen from January. So they've they've lowered their expenses in that area, but still there are there are certain areas, maybe ICU coverage that still require uh, some hospitals to have travel nurses. I'm curious, and this is something that I don't know if you can answer, with some of these hospitals, were they able to have COVID patients in the ICU for, you know, severe cases? And if so, did some of the, the federal money, you know, healthcare, if there was any federal money available for patients or insurance or whatnot, are they able to recoup that from COVID ICU patients or are they having to absorb those, those costs at all? Do you, do you know how that's working out? 
for COVID cases, the only bump in pay that hospitals got was a 15% on Medicare patients. So I think there's a perception out there that because of the number of patients that were in hospitals, that hospitals did very well during this time period because they had so many patients. But no, the cost that they had to incur, so they had to buy new equipment, they had to have uh, more nurse coverage, which we talked about is very expensive. So it wasn't, uh, and I know it's not to say during a time period of COVID, a moneymaker, but uh, I think the perception is that hospitals did very well in that time when, in fact, they didn't because they had to use so much, so much in expense just to have the coverage needed. And then you're talking about eating those expenses because, as we talked about, the, the governmental payers really didn't pay any more for these patients. And when you talk about some of those that were in the ICU for months at a time, those were very expensive patients that uh, were not covered to the level that uh, the expense that the hospital put into those patients. So it, the long COVID patients were certainly very difficult and uh, uh, took up a lot of expense. And with that, I mean, do you think that's a contributing factor to at least some of these hospitals that are in dire straits at this point, or is it just sort of one of the, one of the contributing factors? It's certainly a contributing factor. Uh, when we think about it, we understand how people feel Right now, they don't want to. They want to be done with COVID, and certainly after after January, everybody wanted to be done with it. We didn't want to think about it. We didn't want to realize or think about the expenses that hospitals put into those months. When you think about last August and through through January and February, the amount of staff time, the amount of work that was put in, and the amount of finances that were put into that time period. So yes, it is a definitely a contributing factor. Sure. Uh, and yeah, definitely, I feel like people look at hospitals and think, oh, you know, they must just make so much money. But I, it's interesting that, you know, a lot of times there are more razor thin margins. And you're saying that the, some of these hospitals that would qualify for this funding are literally facing possibly closing their doors within the next couple of, of months? Yes. So some of the ones we're hearing from, so during COVID, besides some of the federal money they they received, uh, if you remember back when hospitals were not uh, doing certain procedures, selective procedures, so so no money was coming into the hospital. The federal government made funding available, but they also made available uh, advanced Medicare payments. So these payments were available to hospitals that were really in financial difficulty back in 2020. And so you could take an advance on expected Medicare payments. So uh, some hospitals did take advantage of that. And now we come around to this year, 2022. So about six months ago, Medicare started recouping those funds if a hospital took those. Hmm. So it's based upon your Medicare census load, how many Medicare patients you have. So we're hearing from hospitals that are not seeing as many Medicare patients, but Medicare is recouping those funds so it's really like a double hit to a hospital of repaying these loans and not having enough money over and above the repayment of those loans to survive. So Medicare is one of the biggest payers for hospitals, and to not have Medicare payments for months at a time is very difficult. So hospitals are trying to pay that back by September 30th, and hopefully they can get through September 30th and then get their feet back under them and survive. Oh, wow. We'll be right back with more Capital and Scott. Hi, this is Laura Farrar. The stories we dive into on Capital and Scott are just a fraction of the reporting the Democrat Gazette brings to readers every day. 
If you'd like to support our commitment to bringing you the latest in Arkansas news, sports, and entertainment, consider subscribing to the Democrat Gazette. With your subscription, you'll get a digital edition of the newspaper every morning, along with the latest news and updates delivered to you on an iPad provided at no extra cost. For just $34 a month, you'll get the same award-winning journalism you've come to expect from the Democrat Gazette, plus exclusive photo galleries, videos, articles, and digital extras like this podcast, all in the palm of your hand. To sign up today, call 1-800-482-1121 or visit us online at arkansasonline.com forward slash subscribe. Welcome back to Capital and Scott. So what does it look like? Um, I don't know if you could give a couple of examples of maybe some of, if, if you're comfortable talking about where some of these hospitals are, at least in the state. And, you know, what would it look like for these communities if they were one, one or two or three or however many were to close? What, what, what happens? So uh, across Arkansas, obviously, we're, we're very spread out and we have a lot of rural hospitals. So some counties do not have hospitals. Some counties have one hospital. So when you're talking about a community that has one hospital in the county and that hospital were to close, then to, to have access to health care services, you're probably going to have to drive at least 30 minutes to an hour. And sometimes you're skipping a county that doesn't have a hospital, so you're moving across two counties to get to a hospital. So it it's really going to limit the access to health care not only in those communities, but in surrounding areas is trying to move those patients around. So it affects everything. It affects the uh, ambulance providers that are out there and having to move patients from one county across two counties, and then that ambulance coverage is not available in the home county there. So it really provides a lot of challenges to those communities just in healthcare services and how they can be provided. Sure, and I would imagine it, it would put more strain on Hospitals, say, for example, in, in Little Rock, even like UAMS or other facilities that are already overwhelmed with people co- coming in from, from communities that, that don't have adequate health care situations. And if more were to close, it could strain even more sort of urban hospitals at the same time. Sure. So the transfer system of moving patients to larger hospitals certainly starts with the regional areas. You can think about hospitals like Pine Bluff, Jonesboro, Fort Smith. They take a certain amount of patients for transfer for services, and then they move. if they have to go to an upper level, they'll move to the, the metropolitan area here in Little Rock or northwest Arkansas to, to have coverage. So, yes, uh, not having the smaller hospitals around uh, definitely puts a strain in the pipeline as far as the bigger hospitals and how many patients they can accept. So I don't know what you know the operating budget is for a facility like UAMS, but with this, uh, or for sort of a, I don't know, small to medium-sized hospital, but the $60 million, I, I guess the question is, is it a, a Band-Aid you know, to sort of get these hospitals through this financial rough patch, but then you're still going to have the same issues of how do these facilities survive? Or is there a way in which it could be used to figure out more long-term solutions so that they don't have to close or face this again in a couple of years? Well, as we talked about, some of those that are in immediate jeopardy are the ones who accepted these Medicare advance payments. So as those get paid off the end of September, then hospitals can be able to set their feet, if you will, and use these funds. Let's say they they get $5 million. That would really help just reset where they are. And then the, the Medicare funds will start coming back in. 
and other payers. So then it would be a better situation. But right now, the, the double hit of the Medicare advance payments and having less Medicare patients has really been difficult. So we look at it, yes, it's a Band-Aid to get them through the next 60 to 90 days, but our expectations are that hospitals can, these hospitals that are in jeopardy can reset and can make it after that. Right. Um, Because I know that, for example, I visited a hospital out in Blyville sometime last year, and they were experimenting with different forms of telemedicine. And there, there was a company in Little Rock who was working on some different type of equipment where they could have more of a specialist uh, sort of triage certain types of patients at this hospital so that they could stay locally for whatever certain types of conditions. And I, I think there was some type of sharing with the finances or whatnot, but more kind of creative solutions so that uh, patients could stay in the hospital and the hospital could get more money instead of them having to come to Little Rock and all that money is lost for some type of specialty treatment. So I don't know if you know much about those sort of ideas that are coming forward in terms of, of just ways to, to keep these facilities more financially viable and, and alive in the future. Well, the pandemic certainly has op- opened everyone's eyes to the uses of telemedicine. So Everyone knew that it could be valuable, but was finding that getting the payers on board, Medicare, Medicaid, and commercial insurance to actually reimburse these smaller hospitals in outlying areas and reimburse the hospital that, that may have the physician there who's who's operating the telemedicine to the smaller community. So yes, we have seen that really take off, if you will, and so hospitals are experimenting with that, and some have had great uses in their hospital and able to keep some services and some patients in those local communities while utilizing a physician that might be in Little Rock or Jonesboro or Pine Bluff or some other big hospital. So that is definitely something that has helped hospitals to have more services, but it took the pandemic for payers to really get on board and say, yeah, we, we can figure out a way to make this work. Um, well, I think that should pretty much cover it. Is there anything else that you uh, would like to add at all? Well, I think uh, one thing I would like to add is you had question about whether we were, I guess I would say, throwing good money after bad on some of these these hospitals and trying to save them, and are they worth saving? So I guess my response to that would be uh, hospitals provide at least 47,000 jobs across the state, $3.6 billion in payroll, and for a total impact of $15.2 billion across the state. So it's not only the the healthcare access that they have in these communities that are so desperately needed, it's the economic impact of the jobs in these communities. These are well-paying jobs. It could be hundreds of jobs. Usually it's it's the first or second largest employer in these counties where they reside. So when you think about hospitals and we do not want to see any hospital close, but it's the impact on the community of the jobs. And also, if you're recruiting an industry to one of these small towns, you must have a hospital before the industry would locate there. And then the health care access. So hospitals are very important to these communities. Right. For sure. I forget um, just how many hospitals, rural hospitals have closed nationally. I mean, it's sort of an astonishing number, I'll have to look up that figure, but, you know, they're kind of an endangered species, so to speak. Sure, sure. And fortunately, we have not had the the closures that other states have had Uh, around us and some of the surrounding states. I think there have been 44 hospitals closed in the last 10 years. So we have been uh, 
very lucky in that respect. Uh, we passed Medicaid expansion, which definitely helped that additional health care coverage, helped hospitals survive. We've only had two hospitals close their doors, and that was in West Memphis and in Dequeen, and both of those hospitals have reopened since their closure. So that's that's been a good positive sign. Hmm, that's really interesting. I didn't know that. Well, thank you so much for your time. This has been great, and we'll look forward to what happens when hopefully this is, is passed and you know the future of these hospitals can be secured for a little bit longer and, and maybe even uh, further down the road would be great. Thank you so much, Laura. Thank you. I really appreciate your time, Beau. More than 100 hospitals in rural America have closed over the past decade, according to federal data. As always, thanks for listening to Capital and Scott. We'll see you next time.